Hey folks, welcome into the Irish Steelers podcast for a special episode. We've been looking back over the last few weeks at Steelers games and talking about different avenues. We're delighted to welcome in a guy today that has not only looked at the Steelers for many years now, but also is very well known to fans in Ireland and in the UK as well for his work on Sky Sports NFL. He is none other than the one, the only coach, Jeff Reinbold. As we say in Ireland, Coach Vulture, how excited are you to be on this podcast, my man? I've been really excited, Michael, because, you know, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, you know, I I think it's such a great thing that they have a presence now in Ireland and certainly with the Rooney family and the connection that's run so deep between the Rooneys and Ireland and the Steelers. And I just think it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And and, uh, 500 people, Michael, at your watch party. That is incredible. Just before I bring Dave in very quickly, Jeff, for people who aren't aware, um, you know, you're you're obviously on Sky Sports NFL, but going back even further than that, you know, you're born, I believe, or you know, grew up in Indiana, mm-hmm. not, not too far from Pennsylvania. What was the Steelers like to you growing up? Well, I was okay. I'll, I'll give you my Steeler history, right? And and it really begins with there was a quarterback at Notre Dame, uh, Terry Hanratty who was a legendary quarterback, was quarterback of the first uh, first Notre Dame team that I can remember as a boy winning the national championship. And uh, he played for Air Parsege and then went on and went to the Steelers and was a, you know, was the quarterback, kind of like the bridge quarterback before Terry Bradshaw. And uh, then later on in my coaching career, I coached at Louisiana Tech which is where Terry went to college and the Steelers drafted him out of Louisiana tech. And he went there and, you know, became the icon that he, that he is now in the steel city, but it was great to meet him. And, you know, he was always really generous and, you know, a a lot of his Steeler memorabilia, he let the university use in an, in a display that they used to, you know, when recruits would come in for the weekend, obviously, to see Terry Bradshaw and his Super Bowl rings and all of that stuff was a big, big deal. And then, Mike, one of the coolest experiences I've ever had was, you know, as like I said, I grew up in in all over the place because of my dad's job. But, you know, primarily when I was a school age kid, uh, we lived in South Bend, Indiana. And there was a running back um, for the for the Notre Dame that ended up going to Vietnam and he was a war casually in Vietnam, didn't, didn't die, but he had part of his foot blown off. And he went back to the Steelers after he cycled out of the cycled out of the service and did his tour in Vietnam. And it's an incredibly in- inspirational story. Um, and his name was Rocky Blyer. And Rocky lost part of his foot, as I said, in an, I think it was a mine explosion, I think, or a booby trap explosion um and he went back to the Steelers and really couldn't run I mean he was he had still had shrapnel in his legs he couldn't run and the Roonies and this is where you know where you realize it's a class organization and why people why it's such an iconic place Rocky could not run and so he tried he you know like he one of the toughest guys you ever meet 
and but he just couldn't do it. He just physically couldn't do it. And the Roonies could have cut him, right? And instead, this is at the start of the Chuck Knoll era. Instead, they kept him around um, and put him on injured reserve that year. He worked his tail off, uh, had some more shrapnel taken out of his body, and then went back the next year and made the Steelers. And there's a catch in a Super Bowl. Now, Rocky Blyer's my size, right? 5'9", about a 200-pound guy. And he, there was a play in the end zone. Bradshaw threw a ball up in the end zone. And he reaches up and stretches out. Like, I don't know how he made the play. But it's an iconic play in Pittsburgh history. And Rocky Blyer, uh, you know, went on to have a great career. He he was he and Franco Harris in the backfield in those on those Steeler teams, and uh, he wrote a book. Um, obviously, when uh, I was freshman in college, I tore my knee up, and my father sent me the book as uh, you know something to read to inspire me to you know not give up. And uh, later on, I'm I'm working for Sky, and we go to the Super Bowl. And it's Radio Row. And you know, Michael, what Radio Row is like, that madness with people all over the place. And I'm with Neil. And this is just at the beginning of the inside of the huddle deal, right? And, you know, we're like, I have no shame. Like, I'm going to, if, if I see somebody, I'm going to act, talk to him. I'm not, a, I'm not, a, you know, and Neil was a little bit squeamish and a little bit, you know, like proper English and all that, right? Well, I don't know anything about being proper, but I do know. I look over and Two tables away on Radio Row, eating a cheeseburger, is Rocky Blyer, right? So I'm like, wow, that's Rocky Blyer. And we didn't, like, he was our first guest on Inside the Huddle because I went over and I said, Rocky, Rocky, uh, I'm Jeff Rambo from Sky Sports NFL. And uh, is there any way you would come on our podcast? And he's got, he wipes the grease off of his chin while he's eating his, I bother his lunch. And he gets up and he comes over and he sits with us and he spent an hour talking to us about what it was like on those Steeler teams with Jack Ham and, you know, like, you know, they had so many, you know, Mike Webster. I mean, they had so many, like, phenomenal, phenomenal players. Lynn Swan, John Stallworth, you know, Kolb, I mean, it was incredible. And we're, it, you know, we're talking to, like, just, it was so much fun. And then about half, as we're just getting at the end of the podcast, he reaches into his pocket. I swear to God, this is true. He reaches into his pocket and he pulls out two Super Bowl rings. Like he just sat them in his pocket, right? And I'm like, I'm like starstruck. I mean, here's this guy and you know how they say you should never meet your heroes, right? But I'm going to tell you something. Rocky Blyer, the best. The best. Franco Harris, true gentleman, right? And, you know, like th those teams like L.C. Greenwood and, and you know, <laughs> Jack Ham, Dobreshinka is what they used to, hey, the big signs in, in, in you know, was Riverfront Stadium, I think, or Three Rivers. I can't remember the name of the thing, but it was right by the river, and they'd have, like, big, you know, bed sheets 
spray painted with Dobra Shinka, which is good ham, right? And Jack Ham was a linebacker that they had. And Jack Lambert with no teeth in his mouth. And I mean, they were like, and then my favorite player of all time, right? The guy that I wore number 25, the only wear jersey I ever wore as a player was number 25. And I did it because of a guy named Ray Oldham who would, ended up getting cut by the Colts, but won a Super Bowl with the Steelers. And so that's that's how far back my Steelers uh, connection goes. Dave, it's funny because as amazing as Jeff's monologue there in a good way, Jeff, it, it shows a lot of Steelers fans and I guess newer fans, newer generations that there's so much history in this team that Jeff has just went through there. And for people that I'm sure a lot of people are obviously aware of those players, but if you aren't, Dave, obviously read up, watch it. Cause it's, it's just, I remember whenever Franco Harris sadly passed last year, watching some of his plays and stuff. It's incredible to see man, isn't it? It really is. It's like, it's, it's, it's one of those things where fortunately I, I haven't lived long enough to obviously hear and watch these players, but just as Jeff has said, you know, about the history of the franchise and the city as well. It's sort of like blue collar. It sort of relates a lot to, to a lot of towns and cities in Ireland, if you like. So that's probably why it corresponds so well. But as well as that, Jeff, I was just wondering, you know, Pittsburgh as a city, you know, you've, you've obviously spoken there about, mm-hmm. you know, the two Super Bowls that just he takes out of his back pocket. It sort of corresponds very well with it. But just wondering, what sort of reputation does Pittsburgh have as a city in the U.S.? Because, you know, it comes across very blue-collar, hard-working people. Is it fair to say it, it, it sort of matches up well with that sort of... Well, I'm going to tell you something. This will give you an indication of what Pittsburgh's all about. When you fly into Pittsburgh and you land and they get off, you know, you get off your plane and you go through and you're starting to walk through the lobby at the airport, right? There is a statue of the Immaculate Reception, right? Now... I got to tell you this, that when Jack Tatum made that play and knocked that ball out and Franco picked it up off his shoelaces and ran it into the end zone, I broke down in tears because I was a big Raider fan, right? But that one play is so iconic that at the, the airport, this is an international airport. You think football's not important in Pittsburgh? All of a sudden, you walk out, and what's the first thing you see? Frank O'Hara's picking the ball off his shoe tops and breaking my heart again 40 years later. The other thing, there was a phenomenal television series in the United States, and and this maybe can kind of give, I don't know what what the corollaries would be in Ireland, but uh, there was a phenomenal show called this is us and it was about a family a pittsburgh family right and in that in that show and i don't know maybe it's east enders i don't know what i i I don't know what you would what the you know what the similar would be but this is a you know this is a huge huge successful show right and in that show this this family were all steeler fans and it and it showed how on Sundays, everybody got their terrible towels out. Everybody wore their jerseys. Everybody lived and died. Whether you went to the game or not, 
you lived and died with how the Steelers did. And you went to the bar after the game and everybody got together and it was the it was actually the you know the kind of the cement that held the community together, right? And you know, the University of Pittsburgh has had a tremendous here his history you know, Mike Ditka went there. They won the national championship with Tony Dorsett. All, I mean, they've had a tremendous, but you know what? They have never even come remotely close to the impact that the Steelers have in Pittsburgh. I mean, it is an iconic thing. It's, it's an, it's so deeply rooted in that community. And, you know, when you look at those uniforms, right, there's the, what other team in football at any level has one decal on their helmet? Nobody. The Steelers do, right? And what what team has had the same or has had, excuse me, I think three head coaches in 40 years? The Steelers, right? And Joe Green, who was a Hall of Famer and mean Joe Green and, you know, he was a pro scout for the St. Louis Cardinals and then the Steelers and a number of teams. But he, when I was the pro liaison as a young coach, he used to come in and I would sit and he would smoke a cigar. He had a big cigar all the time. I get, he must have got that from the Roonies. But he had a big cigar and he would sit in my office and he would tell me stories about those days. L.C. Greenwood, you know, Mike Wagner, I mean, Chuck Knoll. It's just George Perlis. I mean, it was so just like I, I hung on every word he said because as a young kid growing up, there was nothing bigger, right? There was nothing bigger. And go back and look at the tape. Go see, you know, Lynn Swan's catch in the Super Bowl. I mean, it's those are those are iconic moments. And the Steelers got more than just a few. They've got a, a tremendous trove of those and it's continued to grow you go anywhere in hawaii anywhere in polynesia and there's no bigger superstar than troy palomalo none not junior seau not none of them right and just if you want to if you want to get a tear in your eye Listen to his acceptance speech when he goes into the Hall of Fame. It's magic. Bringing us back, Jeff, I'm loving him, man. And it's 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 important because when we look at the future development of the league, and we'll talk about Ireland in a little minute in terms of what can happen there generally and for the Steelers, you've got that new generation of fans coming through. And one of my biggest regrets is not being able to meet Mr. Rooney before he passed. And we're very lucky that he was the ambassador to Ireland and obviously done an awful lot for this island uh, to help this island come to peace. But, and we're obviously very fortunate for that and, and everything that's been done, it continues to be done. But for you as a, as a football man in America, he impacted the league in so many different ways. Obviously, you know, I see the Rooney rule and, and different things to go around. He, he was an influential owner when he was owning the team. Yeah, and you know, it's funny when you when you talk about the Steelers, and I, I think it's really important that these, you're right, Mike, I think they're really important that the young fans, young Steeler fans, really learn their history, 
learn the history of that organization because for years and years and years the Steelers struggled I mean struggled we're at the basement of the NFL every year we're kind of a you know not a punching bag but you know they were they were a proud organization but they were different it was a family-run organization and then Mr. Rooney took it over Art I'm talking about and he wanted to he wanted to make it um and and I and this is directly coming from Rocky Blyer and and the Steeler guys that that I've talked to he wanted to make it run like a family like a fa- not a not a pro sport business now there is the business of the business and they take care of their business or they wouldn't have been as successful as they've been over time they 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 understand their business but they do it in such a way that you know they're very very aware of the community they're very aware of the traditions of the Steelers they're very aware of their of their alumni they're very aware of, <clears throat> of their fan base they're still one of the most accessible teams when they go to training camp because they they don't stay in you know in a hotel they stay at a college dorm and and do all that i've had two players drafted by the steelers uh kelvin beecham was an offensive lineman that ended up starting in pittsburgh and emmanuel sanders was a really really good player as a receiver for the for the steelers and and both of those guys ended up you know moving on emmanuel won played in a played in a super bowl with the, with the steelers and and uh ended up winning a Super Bowl later on with Denver. But when you talk to those guys, Pittsburgh to them, even though they played in multiple NFL cities, Pittsburgh to them still has a big, big part of their heart. Yeah, it's even when you mentioned names like Emmanuel Sanders and stuff, and obviously he became sort of Peyton Manning's right-hand man is a key target for him in that Super Bowl win. So it's obviously great of hearing about the fact that the Steelers are obviously one of the teams that actually he still looks back on and can't compare any fan base, any city with as well. So that's great. And just another one, uh, Jeff, just uh, just coming back to the you know the Ireland links. You know what was your thought on that actual on the um, on the watch party? You know, obviously watching it from afar. Obviously, the result and stuff it wasn't as great as we wanted it to be. But even myself and Michael agreed like, it was a great night. What was your thoughts on it? Jeff, well, the day before you flew over as well, like the time yeah. we're one week off as well. We were saying, this I, I really wish I could have been there because, um, you know, <laughs> let, 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 like, let me go back. Like, it's, so for example, when I'm a young fan, right, I'm in my 20s, I guess, teens, 20s, when they would play, they would be, those fans would start to wave those terrible towels. And that actual, the actual, found, like the, the stadium would shake, right? And they were concerned that the stadium was going to collapse on the fans, right? Well, when I saw the footage of those 500 Steeler fans in Ireland waving their terrible towels, and whoever put, whoever did like all of the decorations and how it was, the room was laid out and all that stuff did a phenomenal job because you couldn't tell whether you were in Aliquippa, Pennsylvania, or whether you were in Ireland. It was just an amazing evening. And if you were a Steeler fan, 
you had to have had a incredible night. And if you're if you were just there because you were an NFL fan, you probably became a Steeler fan being a part of that, you know, environment. Yeah, like even from walking to the restroom, like the fan pop-ups, it felt like you were in the stadium. It was very, very strange in a good way. I, I loved it. I wish you experienced it because I, I know Hannah and Phoebe got the experience with Sky, but I was great to, while it was great to see them of course I think I think it would have been special to have you there as well next time Jeff ne- next time um, how impressed have you been with, with the work that they've, that they've done so far like you know I, I, I know you work closely with uh, Coach Tariq he was at the uh, the American Football Ireland the Pittsburgh Steelers training training camp uh, training session on the Saturday and there's there's obviously been stuff and a lot of things done even around the European Flag Football Championship and not only getting young boys but also females involved in the sport it's it's been great to see what the team has done in such a short period of time and I guess Jeff the sky's the limit for this team isn't it and what they can do in this on just on this island as well I, I think one of the things Mike that that you know everybody on the ground in Ireland that's worked so hard to you know to grow our game and and to bro and to grow the Steeler brand in particular, really needs to take a bow because around the the National Football League right now, people recognize that there is a viable market in Ireland, right? And where that goes, I can't tell you because I'm not a strategic planner, but I certainly know that when you have 500 people for the event that you had, when you have Rod Woodson come out and do the clinics that he did. Steeler legend Rod Woodson comes out and he's on the ground working with the coaches, working with the young players. That's how you grow the game. You hit it from every single dimension, right? Flag football, you know, what they did with with the European Championships in Ireland and having a presence there and all of it, all of it translates into, and I've always, I, I've never understood this, even when I worked for the National Football League. I, it, when I worked for the National Football League, they they talked about fan development, then they talked about football development. Well, to me, those things are, are, are not mutually exclusive. They're inclusive. By improving the game and getting more kids playing at whatever kind of brand of football it is, whether it's flag, whether it's, you know, tackle, no matter what it is, you're growing fans. You're growing people that are going to fall in love with this game. And you can be a fan if you never have played it, but I know this, if you have played it, you have, I think, an opportunity to be a deep, more deeply embedded fan into whatever team it is that you choose. And I think the Steelers have done a great job in a very, very short time of ramping up the you know, the passion for the black and gold in Ireland that's, you know, that I think it's been a, incredible, really. Yeah, it's, it's a great point, Jeff. And I, like, I'd like to obviously think as well, yourself and Michael have both played a massive part in developing it in Ireland as well. So obviously, cheers up to both of you. Um, as well as that, you know, I'll just come back to it as well, sort of the current state of, of the Steelers. Um, you know, this season... For example, you know, we're sitting at seven and six. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we looked nailed on to the playoffs. After the past couple of weeks, it hasn't, you know, you can't really say that anymore. What do you think of the current state of the Steelers? You know, what do you think that we need to do to obviously make us become Super Bowl contenders year in, year out? Because obviously it hasn't been like that over the past 
you know, six, seven years. What do you think it is what we need to ensure that we are, you know, performing at the top of the table? Well, I think, first of all, you know, you have to appreciate the way the structure of the NFL makes it very, very difficult to have sustained success because all of the rules are built upon the fact there is a salary cap, unlike the premiership and all of the other leagues, you know, base, major league baseball and all those things. So you can't outspend somebody. You can't just go buy a team. And, you know, when you look at the, the you know, you take an organization like the Steelers who have had sustained success for decades, right? And you look at a guy like Mike Tomlin who has never, not once, never had a losing season. Now, I've been around some of the greatest coaches that ever put a whistle around their neck. And I can't think of another one that has never had a losing season as a head coach. So obviously, you've got a committed organization and you've got a head coach. Now, inside of that, right, is where it gets really difficult because, you know, the quarterback position in football is so important in the game. And when you look at the Steelers, and when they've been very good, it's when they've had very good quarterback play. When Bradshaw was throwing it to Stallworth, right? And when, you know, when Roethlisberger was throwing it to Hines and that crew, they were winning championships. And that's important. You've got to have a, you've got to have a guy behind the center. Uh, it's unfortunate that that Pickett has been hurt most of this year I think he's got everything he's got all the earmarkings of what a great quarterback should be and could be and as they work to build the team around him I think that they are you know poised to make another run because they you look at their defense and their defense is outstanding. And there are still guys that are not quite even in the prime of their career that are kingpins on that defense. When you look at Watt, when you look at Highsmith, when you look at Minka Fitzpatrick, right? Those are guys that are still have still their best football out in front of them. And they're as good as they are at their positions in the league, right? And, you know, I don't know how much how many more years Cam Hayward's going to play, but Cam Hayward certainly is one of those guys. So I really think that the Steelers, you know, I fully expect that they'll make the playoffs. I really do. I think that, you know, consistency, character, and talent rise to the top, right? And I think the Steelers have all of those attributes. I'd say, look, you, if you if you say the Steelers are going to make the playoffs, I, mean, I think I think we're all happy with that, Jeffrey. And um, j- just on that, like, look, I don't think any of us would be sitting here. To, you know, I think being honest, the result, um, in Week 14 against the Patriots was very disappointing, especially when you had the week before with the weather delay and, and the Cardinals. But I think on prime time, it was obviously disappointing not to win. You got the Colts coming up. That game is on Sky Sports NFL this week, um, on Saturday night at nine thirty. Very excited to see that and excited to hear your analysis, Jeff, both on social media before and during the game also. Um, 
you've got that game, you've got the Bengals, you've got the Seahawks, and you've got the Ravens to close it out. What what do you want to see from the Steelers team as they try and put the last couple of weeks behind them and try, try and move on? Because, again, this is the team that has seven wins on the season. The team is trying to improve week by week, and they're trying to continually get to that next level. Well, you know, Mike, they're probably going to need nine or ten to get in the playoffs, right? So if you look at that and you say, okay, who, who, where can you get those? Well, the first place you can get one is this weekend, and you want to be 1-0 and on Sunday night at, you know, 10 o'clock Eastern. I think that it's important that this is what, in my experience in pro football, when you get down to the playoffs, when you get down to this part of the season, this is where tradition and you know teams that understand how to win and where there's an expectation of winning that's sometimes can separate those teams from maybe teams that are more talented or healthier or whatever right because nine this may sound hokey right and i i'm if you don't if you think it's hokey, then I don't really care. But I've been in enough locker rooms in the last 40 years in pro football to recognize when you put on that black jersey and you put that helmet on, you represent something bigger than you. And that can be the deciding factor sometimes in situations like that. And, you know, like what the, the well, like what the Steelers are faced with, you know, you know, so whether you're Mitchell Trubisky or you're or you're TJ Watt or whoever you are on that football team, you know, you stand for something that's really, really big and really, really important. And you have a responsibility to that. And, you know, I'm sure Coach Tomlin is gonna remind him of that as we go down down the stretch. I sure hope he does. It just over the past couple of weeks it's just been a bit of a it's been a bit of a pain, you know. We weren't expecting to lose both those games, but I suppose it's the National Football League. You have to be able to adapt, and fortunately, you weren't able to in the past couple of weeks. But hopefully, turn around this weekend. Just the last one from me, Jeff. Um, you know, the, the guy who's hanging on the back of my wall here. Um, in my opinion, you know, I don't know about you, but he's the most disrespected player in the NFL. You know, when people imagine great pass rushers, they talk about you know your Micah Parsons, Miles Garrett, Aaron Donalds, Nick Bosa's. It just seems that TJ Watt's consistently getting underlooked. Just how good is he and how important is he to a team that you have that star defensive player? Well, let me say this. I first saw him uh, as a college senior. I went to the Purdue-Wisconsin game, right? And it was a close game for most of the game. And then all of a sudden, he rises up. And he's rushing the passer. He tips the ball up to himself, catches it in mid-stride, and scores a touchdown and breaks the game open for Wisconsin. And, you know, sometimes the media can, I I think, you know, I I don't think, I, I don't know if he's disrespected, but I don't think he gets the credit that he deserves. Now, part of that might be that he's J.J.'s brother, right? And J.J. casts a very long shadow, right? But 
when you put TJ's numbers up against any of those pass rushers that you just talked about, he he's not gonna be second to any of those guys. And I think because he isn't a guy that's all about him, he's not a guy that's, you know, trying to push his brand. I mean, you know, he just goes and does his job and helps his football team win. And that's enough for him. And frankly, that's a breath of fresh air in today's NFL. And I think that's one of the reasons why he's so revered in Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh is a town of guys who just go to work and do their job and, you know, don't beat their chest about it. And and I, he fits the ethos of that city. Jeff, just finally wrapping up, you're, you're, you're a great friend of the game in Ireland and we – Really appreciate you being on. I, I just want to finally just sort of just sort of wrap, just just wrap it up in this way. I remember sitting in an establishment in Dublin in week one watching the Sky Sports coverage, and the whole bar sat and watched it because um, Neil and Phoebe were in Pittsburgh. We missed you that day. We seen Phoebe talk to Art Rooney, and it was really cool because we seen the whole broadcast was turned into the Steelers broadcast that week, and hopefully that happens again. Um, how like I mean and how, like how cool would it be to see down the line 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 I'll, I'll keep going here years how cool would it be at some point in the future um, that maybe see the Steelers playing Ireland that'd be cool well, I hope it's I hope it's faster than that Michael because 25 years from now my eyes aren't going to be very good so I don't know <laughs> much how much I don't know how much football I'll be, I might be drooling on myself watching the game or something but <laughs> I, you know what? I, I, I just think it's such a natural fit. It's such a natural tie, you know. And in the United States, we have we have this saying: that everybody's got an Irish cousin, or Irish cousin, excuse me, right? And it's really, really true. And for what that family means to Ireland, and what Ireland means to that family, it, it's. To me, it's just a natural process that hopefully happens sooner than later because I can just see 82,000 terrible towels in Croke Park and the most amazing weekend of football that Ireland has. I, and I'm going I'm to say any kind of football. The football that's round, the football that's oblong, any like... I don't know if there there would be it might be the sporting event of history in in Ireland. I re, I really truly mean that. I think you know, the the Steelers travel extremely well no matter where they go, but you bring them to Ireland along with the tremendous amount of Irish Steeler fans that there are and I'm going to tell you something. I don't know, they might have to shut the Guinness factory down. <laughs> Jeff, uh, look, I'm sure at some point, you, uh, you know, we will hopefully see something like that there. I, I, we, we've seen the Steelers have a commitment to exploring it down the stretch. And I know at the minute they're looking at hopefully future fan events and different development events. So look, certainly looking forward to seeing what they do. Hopefully get you over to a watch party next year. We'll put a good word into you for Sky Sports. But certainly, Jeff, want to wish you the very, very best with Sky and your other ventures over the next few weeks and months. I know 
You've got a busy few weeks ahead of you. Start with the Steelers game on Saturday night. So, Edgar Milaga, thank you very much, as we say, for coming on the Irish Steelers podcast. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. All right. Thank you, guys. I really enjoyed it.